when you put these projects in place, you do know that there's a good chance that they're going to be successful. Pretty much in all cases, the initial innovation project has been successful and that's led to the company being able to continue to move through its development. You know, there comes a point where you go, that's no longer anything to do with our, our, our initial piece. But in those immediate years following the innovation project, you can go, okay, that is credible co-investment that's come off the back of, of, of that in initial investment piece by um, UKRI. Welcome back to the Decarb Connect podcast. My name is Alex Cameron from Decarb Connect, and I'm here today with Bruce Adderley, the challenge director focused on transforming foundation industries, uh, part of Innovate UK. And we're going to be talking about how you turn effectively 66 million of seed investment into 200 million plus of co-investments. And I believe that number's growing, but we'll we'll hear a bit more from Bruce about that. So essential this sort of early stage innovation funding as we know is essential so it'll be interesting to hear more about how innovate uk and how bruce has been has been leading the charge on this so welcome bruce good to have you on the podcast thank you alex really looking forward to the ne next uh, half an hour an hour's discussion all sorts of things together i'm sure you imagine uh, in this it's a fascinating area loads of innovation going on lots to talk about Good, good, good. All right. Well, we'll start with a nice, easy question for you, which is just to ask you both personally and professionally, how have you arrived at this point in time? You know, how is it that you've come to be doing the work in decarbonisation, but also the, the work in general at Innovate UK? Tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah. So um, I, I suppose you'd say I'm a, I'm a, I'm a steel man by background. Um, I, I had done a PhD and a postdoc at, at university, nothing at all to do with steel, frankly, um, but ended up getting a job for what was then British Steel Technical back in 1994. I got a job with them because um, I'd been writing big computer programs to solve quantum mechanics equations in my PhD. And to finite element model the rolling of hot steel, what do you do? Oh, you write large Fortran programs to di diagonalize matrices to so solve equations and find out things. So it meant that they could go, do you know what? It probably only take Bruce three to six months to get up in speed, whereas a new graduate would take potentially up to three years. And 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 and, and I was in and I was off. Yeah. And then it it's all about uh doing research running projects becoming research programs but gradually over time my interest in the energy side of what was happening in the steel industry grew um and then at one point for instance i was managing um, the then british steels uh, research department looking into furnaces so obviously british steel at the time is what we now know as Tata Steel UK, Liberty Steel, plus British Steel as, as it is now. So all, you know, furnaces across all those organizations within our, with my team's remit in terms of innovation and development. And then it's just kept steamrolling. So gradually it moved on from interest in energy, widening to climate change, and indeed it wider environmental. And as I've moved through my career, I've gradually done more things at the strategic level, and that's meant interacting with uh, fellows in uh, the other foundation industries where we've got similar problems, wanting to talk about similar issues to government. And that's really led me to being at this point. It's that personal interest in the area 
And I've just been lucky to have the opportunity to work with many people in many areas around energy and climate change over 20 or 30 years. Mm. Uh, it's interesting. I um, I should have done my homework better than I did because I actually didn't know that you'd gone through that sort of research and development phase in your career as, as much as everything um, since. So really interesting then to be rooted in the UK, rooted in steel, but then to have this opportunity to to drive uh, how this seed investment fund is used. So so let let's come on to that challenge mm-hmm. then. What was what was the origin of it? So sort of, I know, I remember from our prep call that it had a sort of series of owners, series of political owners, but what yeah. was the, kind of the origin of it and when did it really kick off? Yeah, so, I mean, hopefully some people in the audience are aware that over the last five or more years, there's been a series of challenge funds looking at all sorts of industries and, and what's needed in the innovation space. And, and they've developed over three waves and in the third wave, um, what UKI did was say, right, bring forward your expressions of interest for you as an industry. What do you think is your big challenge that you that you need to address? Um, and there were literally, I think, probably pushing 200 expressions of interest came through. Um, in the end, about 10 challenges came out of those, those 200. Um, and certainly pretty much all the foundation industries separately said, we've got a challenge. And the challenge was around what TFI has turned out to be. Yes, and other things. But there was a realization process that actually the best thing to do was bring everybody together around those um, common challenges so that we could all work on them together. Because to be honest, and certainly my career history had been, you know, working for 10, 15 more years in advance of the challenge starting in some of these areas, yes, making progress, but there were still definitely things and big things uh, that needed to be achieved. And this gave a new avenue um, for, for addressing those. So that's, that's the background for the, for, for the, for the challenge coming together. Um, some of my team were already working within Innovate UK. So my deputy director, Ben was part of, the, the team working on developing the, these challenges. Um, I myself, of course, was in industry at the time. So I was attending events where we were talking between industry and, and UKRI and Innovate UK um, about how these challenges could come, come into existence and what they would be. But I was going to not just meetings around T- what would become TFI, but meetings around the industrial decarbonization carbonization challenge now led by Brian Livesey because I've been working in the CCS space and at, and at the time was actually running the UK Carbon Capture and Research Centre. So you can see how this is all integrated into a wider piece, um, but it, it involved a lot, a lot of discussion and a lot of, a lot of planning before we eventually got to this is what TFI should look like and building the business case to put forward for it to happen. So we we will come on to a couple of examples of projects. So for for people listening from outside the UK, there's definitely content um, as this podcast plan uh, develops that you'll be able to learn from. But just before we get there, let me just uh, touch on on the amount that was in uh, the challenge fund, because it's one of those numbers, isn't it? 66 million to a taxpayer is like, what? What is this Mm -hmm. huge amount of money? Where's it going? But you and I know, Bruce, that... When you say sixty-six million to a to an industrial manufacturer, they're and they're like, oh, 
what you know that's like how do we use that so what what was the origin of the amount and what was your maybe your perspective on it what did you see as the opportunity but clearly some challenges in that amount and then we'll talk a bit more about that the early months of of the challenge as well yeah so from the perspective of of a public funding body like uh, like UKRI what you've got to be looking to do is making interventions where they're really needed where what you might term more broadly that there's a there's a market failure and here a market failure in terms of being able to do the innovation you need to 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 move things forward so we were looking at it in the context of what are the things that we can do that would help to address that kind of market failure and not being able to do the innovation that the businesses need how can we help them move forward and move forward together and in fact that together thing was effectively one of those in, in, in interventions it was the saying do you know what we're going to make some funding available but in this instance we think there's a failure in that you're not doing enough together so we're going to say when we run competitions for funding that projects are going to have to be of relevance to more than one foundation industry at a time and that would be one of the, the the scope criteria that we would use again and again um, during the challenge. So we were looking at what what should we do. So yes, we've had what people in the UK would recognise as a fairly typical Innovate UK collaborative R and D program for which money was set aside about thirty million of the of the sixty six. But we also wanted to try to. Um, improve the, the the capability for um, upscaling and piloting technology that's led to us um, investing in um, the primarily glass focused but also usable for the other foundation industries um, investment of glass in glass futures um, in in the northwest alongside the, the the region and the industry themselves to, to make that to make that happen um, so that was a chunk of about 15 million then we'll, we, I think we'll talk in a bit about our investor partnership program. We put some millions against against that. We've invested um, in developing the research base and improving their links of working with industry. So we've started up um, uh, a network plus, which is focused on building the academic community around the foundation industries. And we um, invested in, in a hub, which is where industry meets academia to do projects of interest um, across across the foundation industries. So what we're also doing is trying to make use of the best things available for, from within UKRI. So we say that the my, my challenge is delivered by Innovate UK, EPSRC, the Engineering Research Council, and the ESRC, the um, uh, Economic and Social Research Council. And it's taken the best from all of those to deliver this challenge as, as, as well as we have. So the, the surface level, like if you just look at the, the header and the exec summary of the challenge is that it's a focus on res both resource and energy efficiency. Um, but as you've just hinted at, really the practical, the pra in practic practical terms, what it's really about is about this collaboration across industries and industries that certainly then were not typically engaging with each other. So, just if you if you kind of take us back to that early stage, like how how do you actually, in practical terms, get these industries to collaborate or to talk or to 
share information or to you know how does that work and then and then we'll look at how do we then bring the investors in through this partnering program yeah so going back a little bit more to the history of the, the 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 challenge um you obviously have to get approval to um deploy these resources that's been made made available by by government and what actually happened was we were initially um allowed to um move forward with our first planned collaborative r d competition now of course as you put in the challenge together you've got to making the business case for it you've got to have a certain group of industrial stakeholders who are already behind you know the the intent here they 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 believe in what we're, you're going to do and they are saying if the public money comes forward we will invest you know we 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 will be on board and we and, and we we will we will get involved so what we did was having approval for that first competition we we set it going and we literally called it our fast start competition because it was about giving the opportunity for those stakeholders who were already on board across the foundation industries the opportunity to come together put forward first projects and and get moving as as, as quickly as we could now I'm not saying that there weren't screams and howls of anguish from some people across the industry industries when we went right. Every proposal that comes forward to this competition has to be for innovation that is of relevance to at least two foundation industries. And in and in the terms of foundations, I mean foundation industries and their supply chains. So, for instance, if you had a situation where a technology had been deployed in one industry, could be deployed in another industry but there was innovation needed to make that happen you could create a project around that that because it effectively involved two industries you could bring bring that forward so that gave us a chance to let the you know the, the first movers get involved get going and they would also demonstrate then to others Did you know you can do this things like you know, you might be sat there going, well, we can't work with these people because there are commercial considerations. There are, you know, competition considerations. You know, people tend to get in a mindset of we can't do stuff. Whereas in actual fact, there is a lot you can do. So we set out to demonstrate. And then, of course, we organized sessions around the country for people to come and uh, get together and talk about these things. And we could try and, again, put across what you can, what you, what you can do uh, and get the whole thing moving. And in that way, we just tried to get the ball rolling, really. So before we come on to the, the investor piece, I'm just, I'm just wondering, like, when you think about that phase, obviously, there's a lot of positive stuff that came out of that. What? What would you say to those listening who are either in countries or regions that, that don't yet have those sorts of challenge projects in place, but are, maybe are in countries that are thinking about them? There's quite a lot, actually, yeah. in uh, Asia, um, other parts of uh, South America and Africa, where there is money that's starting, like this kind of seed capital, if you like, that governments are thinking of applying. From just that early phase of getting people engaged, what what would you say to them are the three takeaways that either things you wish you'd done sooner or maybe differently? Or is, is there anything that strikes you as a sort of lots went well, but these are the things you want to watch out for? What what would you say? Well, I think it really is um, that the, 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 key, the key thing is, if you're thinking about this, don't forget that. Or, or don't don't fall into the trap of we've a series of industries in our geography 
that we want to support. So we must just give each of them some support to do that. Yeah. I mean, you do need to do that, you know, and the companies within those industries, they also need to keep going on with what they would be doing anyway. You're looking to help them do more, essentially. But in helping them to do more, don't just go, right, it's the steel silo or the chemical industry silo or the gas glass industry silo. There's an enormous amount of opportunity for them to work together to, to move things forward. Now, a really good example, we've had a lot of discussion with, with colleagues in India, both from the public funding perspective and across the industries. Um, and through the time of COVID, actually, we did a lot of virtual work um, to just arrange sessions for us to talk to each other. So people talked, we, we arranged sessions between businesses uh, within each sector and then set up cross-sector discussions and facilitated introductions and, and, and conversations, all leading towards the, we will eventually put some money, make some money available at both ends in India and here so that companies could come together to do exactly that. Now, there the was in that context, you know, a, a lot of discussion had to be had to introduce our Indian colleagues to the concept of doing things as foundation industries, because they very much are still in there's these great big silos and they've got massive companies, often still a lot longer along each of those value chains than perhaps we are, we are here. Yeah, so there's those considerations as well. And we also had an awful lot of learning to do to, un to understand, you know, where things were similar, where things were different and why what we are doing here would work for some and, and not for others. It, it's all about having those conversations well in advance of trying to deploy uh, an intervention it is, is key, really. I just want to take this opportunity to thank our production partner and sponsor, Jano Media, for their support in delivering the Decarb Connect podcast. Over the last few years, they've helped us to facilitate great conversations that connect us with our audience. And their skills and expertise mean that we get to concentrate exclusively on generating the content, the conversations that engage, inform and inspire. Clearly, you know, taking 66 million and turning it into 200 million plus, as the title of this podcast is, the secret source also lies in this investor partnering program that you alluded to. So who were those original kind of investors that came to the table and, and what brought them there? How did you get them there? And then from there, we'll then explore two, you know, two specific projects and, and how this all has come together. So I spoke a few minutes ago about trying to take the best and most relevant types of intervention that the likes of Innovate UK uh, had available and understood how to do and apply them and make them make most of them in the challenge. And one of those was Innovate UK's um, investor partnership program. They'd been piling taking it for a couple of years before we, we came into existence. And we looked at that and we went, we think that is, is, needs to be part of our jigsaw. Yeah. Um, and those programs focus around developing a, par a partnership with a group of investors and then finding relevant companies, yeah, looking at their innovation proposals, working out whether they could, could can be funded and going forward. So the first thing we did was we did some background work to, to go and have a look at 
which investors might be out there who would be interested in partnering with us around innovation in the foundation industries because we do have the classic situation and we talk about it all the time of how there's there's not enough investment certainly in 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 these industries in the, in this context it's all off to banking or it or whatever it may be but we're thinking surely there are actually investors out there who have interests and and you know part of their raison d'etre and that proved to us to be honest that, that that there was that it was worthwhile going ahead it also meant we started to establish contacts um with with various investors so then what we do is in a similar manner to we, we normally put out um a call for projects um in it for, for innovation projects we actually put out a call for investors to become part of a a group yeah to support this this program so you know it's not quite the same but in a similar manner they had to put you know the reasoning to us as to why they should be included in in in, in this group and and the reasons for working with us so we brought together half a dozen investors um including some that people will be familiar with like the clean growth fund um maybe um uh, which is HG Ventures from the States. There's an investor from Germany and some others, um, Speed Investor involved. So they they came together as our kind of investor group. And what they commit to is saying, um, if Innovate funds a project for a, with a particular SME, we will invest the same amount that Innovate do. Now, as Innovate for an SME, um, we can fund up to 70% of the innovation project costs. So if you're then saying already at the start point, the investors are going to bring in at least the same, the company is getting its innovation project funded plus some of that extra support from investors that you would you would normally expect. And, that, and that's the starting point. So once we got the group of investors alongside ourselves, we both went out and started started to alert the community to this opportunity and find companies of interest they then come back to us with the this is what we you know we we we, we, we who we are what we're doing what we want to do if the investors went well we like the look of that then a full research proposal was brought forward we would assess it in the normal ways that we we, we would for any innovate you fund uk funded project does it meet the criteria is it of sufficient quality and if it is, then that project would would go ahead and and, and would be funded, uh, and and so that that's what we've done in that arena. And have have those half a dozen or so investors? Did they did more come, or was it more that they were increasing their stake, or how how did that? Kind yeah. Of so, um, essentially, you, when you when you when you put these projects in place, you you do know that there's a good chance that they're going to be successful because both ourselves. And the investor we've gone, you know, we this 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 looks good. So pretty much in all cases, what's actually happened is the initial innovation project has been successful, yeah, and that's led to the company being able to continue to move through its development. And most of these companies have now had Series A, and some are moving towards Series B um, investments off the back of having been able to do the innovation project which we supported and hence the level of co-investment that has, has spun off the back of our original investment is growing yeah you know there comes a point where you go that's no longer anything to do with 
our, our, our initial piece. But in those immediate years following the innovation project, there is a direct link between what we funded and then what they've done next. And you can go, okay, that is credible co-investment that's come off the back of, of, of that in initial investment piece by um, UKRI. Okay. And then um, I always reserve the right to ask a, a stupid qualifying question. So here's my stupid qualifying mm -hmm. question, which is I'm assuming that uh, for Innovate UK, like the funding is is in the form more of grants or, you know, rather than it's certainly not a, a debt fund, it's not an equity fund, but what was it, yeah. what was the reality so, for the investors? So um, they, 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 they don't, in, in this scheme, they, they've not been taking equity and things it's not it's not been of that form and it, and it obviously it, i say obviously I'll, I'll just come back to that in a second it's not it's not been of that form for us either we were giving grants yeah now that isn't to say of course that beyond tfi um innovate uk doesn't do other forms of investment because obviously now there are loans and other and, and other schemes which are different but in this case our initial funding was a grant to do a research project it was just that we'd made this scheme so that an investor would come in with an aligned amount to help them have more than the you know the total they needed to do the the the, the project, and then th that you know works very well for an SME, of course. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, then let's look at uh, two particular projects. Um, I know you're joining us actually at Decarb Connect UK in Manchester at the end of February, and we're going to be yeah. talking there about the Unilever project um, that you were involved in. But today we're going to focus in on Cement to Zero, which I believe is Teesside and Rectify project, yep. which is um, Tata Steel and Aggregate Industry. So let's just have a look at um, those. So if you can give us the kind of one or two lines on each, like where did they fit in the kind of the theme of the challenge yep. and how did they, how, how have they delivered or come to fruition? So of course, one of the things we we need to try and do as a challenge is is, is intervene in a number of uh, parts of the, the sort of TRL technology readiness level scheme. So we funded with, within the challenge in the entirety everything from sort of feasibility studies right the way through to what we call I'm going to say pilot scale demonstration in terms of the foundation industries. Yeah. So these projects we're talking about here are those kind of pilot demonstration projects. Yeah, so Cement Zero is um, piloting using end-of-life cement as a flux in an electrical arc furnace process to both produce steel and capture the slag off the process, which can then be used back in the cement industry. So it, it's a sort of win-win. You're taking now recycled cement and recycled um, steel converting it using an EAF process, which is a known process, so we know how to do it. Tweaking some of the chemistries in terms of the things that you, you're putting in and, and, and therefore what the chemical content of the slag that's sitting on top of the, the molten metal is, such that when you tap it off, you've got a material that can then be used as part of a new cement production process. So that project um, comes off um, uh, an innovation uh, coming out of Cambridge University. Um, they created a, a spin-out called Cambridge Electric Cement. So they're a partner and it, it's, it's like they're, you know, it's about getting their technology 
out of their lab scale and into pilot scale. Now, the great thing is at the Materials Processing Institute on Teesside, which used to be a British Steel um, uh, research lab, they have a pilot electric arc furnace for up to seven, seven tons um, of, of steel in scale. So that's exactly the thing you need. Yeah. Um, and trials have been going on uh, there through the autumn. Um, if anybody wanted to, if, if you if you do the classic Google cement to zero, you will find a video showing the the, the first trials that, that have happened there. Um, and, and as we speak and across this year, what will now happen is having done work at, at that scale um, at, at, at MPI, trials will take place at Celsius Steelworks at a, at a bigger scale. Yeah. And, and and so that that's exactly what we need to be trying to do is get innovations out of that lab scale through pilot to the stage where industry have got enough confidence to do an industrial an industrial trial. Yeah. So that 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 particular project clearly ticks the resource efficiency part of the theme. Yeah. Talk to us about uh rectify. To rectify again, um to a considerable extent is resource efficiency focused. And I, I think I'll make a point now that um, I've realized I'm not, not made earlier. Uh, you mentioned at the beginning that we were very much focused on resource efficiency and energy efficiency. Now we were focused on that because you had the industrial decarbonization challenge, which was focused at CCS and hydrogen. But Bayes, as was at the time, uh, is running its fuel switching program. So all of those things effectively have been dealt with elsewhere. So we 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 didn't cover those. So there's no kind of double double funding as 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 it were. But then when we got started, what actually happened in in the main was that resource efficiency was the area where there's not really been funding available before. It was kind of the new kid on the block. There's not so much work been done in the policy space in previous years therefore there's not the, the sort of funding to support implementation of policy was not there so we have found that as every year has gone by the percentage of things that have been brought to us that are resource efficiency focused rather than energy efficiency focused has been growing yeah now i think that's genuinely because we were sort of the first available fund but i think also because the world is changing out there and everybody has a much bigger appreciation now four or five years down the line that resource efficiency is something that we've got to deal with and if we deal with it now it gives us quick wins yeah you know uh and and, and then they're in place and they'll be giving us that win every year through to, to to 2050 and beyond um so that was a bit of a monologue but back to um the the, the rectify project so rectify is led by EMR, um, the, the, the the biggest recyclers. And as you say, involves um, Tata Steel UK, Aggregate Industries, um, Darlow Lloyd and Swansea University, um, providing some of the research background. Overall, it's a, a 10 million pound project. Um, we contributed a 3.4 million pound grant. So you can see that predominantly the, the cost of the project has come from the industry side, but we've provided enough to be able to get the projects off the ground and they could all say, yeah, we, we, we can go for this. Um, so what they're focused at primarily is generating a new supply chain um, for high grade recycled steel within the UK. At the moment, 
too much of our steel um, is is collected. It's all mixed up, becomes a relatively low-grade scrap for, for ton of scrap. Um, and as yeah, many will be aware, much of it gets exported as a as a relatively cheap raw material comes back to us um as something much more much more expensive so we really need to work on um that supply chain and what this group has done and i think you'll see from the names that it is very much through supply chain yeah by working together they've identified the parts in the supply chain where some new technology is needed yeah whether it's in um a sort of monitoring or measuring or uh, segregating you know processes so that there are there are pieces of work going on in all those areas so that they can set up this new supply chain that they know will deliver high grade scrap um and at the same time again some new alternative raw materials um for cement production so it becomes a win-win in multiple industries and we're helping to set up a, as i say this future supply chain so when you think about i mean those projects and and others that you uh we're allocating grants to and securing additional investment around how when you think back how how have your perceptions about what was possible in that kind of collaboration that value chain engagement has anything changed like are you now expecting more are you expecting less are you expecting different what what sort of what have been yeah some of the perception shifts for you or or for the team so i think for me personally i always knew this was possible um, you know, um, so in, in my career, I'd seen some good examples of this kind of collaboration, but they were just one off. It just tended to be certain circumstances. They worked and they happened. Um, I think could we more generally, you could you could see that, that there was a huge, huge amount of possibility. And I think in terms of the cross foundation uh, collaborative work, I think genuinely and, and, and others i suppose should be the ones to, to judge really that we have really helped to stimulate that happening and it and it's a much more accepted way of taking things forward now than it was three or four years ago yeah that we see a lot more companies involved in it we do get good feedback about you know you, you've opened our eyes to it because there were those back at the beginning we're saying okay it's, it's it's only 66 million talked, but even so, we just want you to divide it by six and give us each 11 million quid to go and do what whatever we like. And you're like, no, no, that's not the purpose. The purpose is to sort of create create an opportunity to be able to do more in a different way than we did before um, to, to, to bring forward our, our innovation. So we've seen that. But going beyond the foundation industries piece, it's become absolutely clear that in the in the, in the medium to longer term, the solution here is absolutely up and down the supply chains as well as across these industries. So we'll, we'll, we've said we will talk about it um, um, at the conference in a few weeks' time. The, the project being led by Unilever is a prime example of how it's the person um, a, 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 a more towards the, the business, more towards the consumer, us as individual consumer end, who needs to get involved and be driving and, and demanding, as we call it, sort of so-called demand-led innovation of everybody else back through the supply chain. And in years gone by, because there were so many steps down that chain, there just wasn't the linkage so that you would have um, the likes of Unilever in that case 
literally working with paper companies and Tata Steel at the other end on delivering something for that for that for that for that market. And we we see that as we go forward, we're just going to have to do more and more of that. And when we are seeing, I, I, I'm sure there'll be plenty of examples at the conference of companies who are coming there saying we are demanding things and working with our supply chains to deliver what what we need. Yeah. yeah, I definitely get the sense that, I mean, I think it's been a number of years now since anyone really thought that innovation around decarbonisation behind closed doors was entirely the right way to go, because you just miss so many opportunities. And there are just a number of case studies I can think of where people took bigger steps forward because they were far more aware of what others had already done, or because they collaborated with another industry. I just, it sort of, yeah, it feels now like this is yeah. almost becoming... It, it's, it's time, I would say, you know, yeah. So so coming back to the title then, and, and let's sort of answer this one again with, with the internationals listening in mind, because if you're from the UK and you're listening to this, yeah. these stories have a, a different kind of resonance and uh, you have a different context for them. But if, if you're not from the UK and you're listening in to this, let's just go back to this idea of what was it that really enabled you to convert that 66 million into 200 million? What, when you, I know you've talked through it um, in a number of ways, but what do you think ultimately it was that brought those investors into the mix with three or four times sometimes, you know, what the original grant might have been? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, 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 it's a number of things. Um, and, and, and I'm, and I'm going to go back to something you talked about earlier about making a series of different interventions because if you just do one thing you're only going to capture a, a certain group wanting to do certain things yeah so we've invested in pilot scale capability with, with in terms of glass futures now that's meant investment from yes lots of uh, companies across the glass sector, many of whom are, of course, owned um, out, outside of the U UK. So they're making decisions about um, investing here and doing other things. And in fact, already, Glass Futures, working with um, Diageo, and this has uh, just been announced within the last week or two, are developing a footprint in both the USA and India to take the model there because Diageo know they need that kind of model to deliver the packaging products that, that they need right across their their their, their global footprint. Um, but the, the first point I was going to make about Glass Futures is there's a regional thing there. So it's brought in regional investment. It's been part of uh, redeveloping the town of St. Helens and St. Helens has been awarded a town fund. Um, it's been it, it's included in the wider innovation um, developments across Liverpool city region, and of course they now have an innovation zone. Again, Glass Futures is part of that in terms of wider. Yeah. So there's been a lot a lot of building from an initial investment. Yeah, in in terms of what it's helped stim stimulate in other forms of investment, not just literally just doing a research project. You know, there are there are you know there's going to be another a new manufacturing facility in St Helens very shortly a company coming inwards you know these these sort of things have have spun off off the, off the back um yes then there's been the whole range of um um SMEs and startups that have been supported 
some directly through the investor program that we talked about earlier, but many others that have been building out of our collaborative R&D program in, you know, and in all sorts of areas. And they also have been getting Series A investments in, in particular off the back of successfully completing a collaborative R&D project that we funded. You, know, we, we, you, you do get that feedback with companies saying the fact that we got money from Innovate UK and then successfully completed those projects the investors go that's a bit of a guarantee that or part of the guarantee that these people know what they're doing and they're worth investing in yeah so there is there is there is a linkage there um so a, so a whole a whole range of things has has, has brought people in but it, it's having that different offerings right across the the innovation space i think has been key and this is where i kind of push the challenge model yeah, of addressing a challenge rather than just saying we need to make an investment in technology X for industry Y. Yeah, what you need to do is set yourself a challenge and say we're going to address that challenge and work out which are the best inter interventions we should make in the innovation space to address that challenge and then put those offerings out there yeah, and, 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 and work with people to, do, to deliver on them. Well, I was going to ask you what the mental model shift is that that needs to happen but i think you've answered it there it is that the the piece of not falling back on old habits of yeah. you know just shoveling a bundle of cash at an industry but but looking more at the kind of the, the horizontal challenge if you like and and how to engage those early faster movers to show something's possible to then engage a wider audience but i i think that's really fascinating um and just so interesting to hear because often in any country and in any news cycle what, what you hear at the moment is a lot about oh all this money all this money going into climate spend but it's to, to actually be able to hear yes but what that money then drew in in addition and the behaviors that it's starting to influence and change you know i think that's I think that's uh, really fascinating stuff and, and something that we can all build on no matter where we're based. Yeah. Um, so just as a closeout, Bruce, what's what's next for you? What's what's kind of on the horizon? Yeah. What what new projects are coming your way? Well, I think I think the, the the main thing is is that we are you know I I and my team we are actively working in the background to be able to drive forward this um, demand led innovation um, ag agenda. Um, there's something I've just been talking with the team about that we're gonna we're gonna try and um, uh, flag up at the, at the conference next month that we're doing in in, in the concrete space um, as, as as Innovate UK. We've launched what's a relatively modest funding program now, but it around around the um, the the innovation in the concrete space where we brought together a group of those I'm going to call them demanders. Yeah, and they've said, right, we're committed to working on this program. Yeah, and the call has then gone out for innovations that will help those demanders meet meet their needs. Yeah, so we'll talk about a, a bit more of that about that at the conference. And yeah, just just continually working on how can we provide, you know, novel no, novel interventions to help companies move forward and drive this drive this agenda because that's what we should be about. Yeah. Um, it, it's supporting companies to do that in ways that perhaps we didn't think were possible. Yeah. But we actually, we know we need, uh, and we, and we need to make happen. So I'll, I'll be continuing 
my efforts in that space. Um, have we got a couple of minutes? Can I just mention one other thing? We do. Go for it. Right. Brilliant. Okay. So one of the things that has arisen um, sort of out of TFI, it's not quite that straightforward, um, is a program called Economizer. Uh, and actually now there's, there's Economizer 2. So what's happened there is we have provided funding to um, a number of um, uh, research organizations in the foundation industry space um, um, across the UK to um, build up their, cap their, their capability and capacity in terms of um, equipment that's available for uh, companies to do scale up in terms of innovation. So the group includes the Materials Processing Institute that I talked before, uh, includes Glass Futures, which we, which we help, help start. That probably wouldn't find that surprising. Uh, it, can, it includes the Centre for Process Industries, CPI, which has quite a footprint uh, across uh, the UK now. Um, it includes Lucidian, who are experts in um, ceramics uh, de development. And it includes, um, from the academic side, the Henry Royce Institute, which is obviously mostly based in Manchester, but is in Sheffield and, 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 and other, other universities across the country as well. So they've come together and we've provided them with funding, mostly for additional bits of kit, bits that are missing from, 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 their, from their capability, but also to put in place um, research fellows and application scientists whose job are both to go out there and understand what it is the different industries need and need together in terms of scale up and what projects need to be done and then have people at the Royce and these organizations who were just dedicated to doing often sort of three to six month long projects we just need to find out something to then see we can go forward so um continuing to build capacity yeah at a UK level to be able to support um, foundation industries to do their innovation is also another key forward theme um, for myself and my team. Great. Well, uh, Bruce, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us, with me, but to the audience as well about this project. And um, for those who are able to join us, uh, Bruce will be talking at Decarb Connect UK in Manchester in the last week of February. And I'll, I'll put a link to that as well as to the challenge. And um, I'll also find that video that you mentioned for Cement to Zero, and you'll be able to find those links in the show notes. And my, my closing challenge then to the listeners is make sure you send this podcast on to the policymakers, policy influencers, those in your country that are maybe looking at the deployment of initial seed funding, seed grants, if you will, because I think there's a lot that people can take from this about how to really create that amplifying effect and success. So thank you, Bruce, for sharing that. At Jano Media, we recognize that great content has the power to create impactful and positive change for lives and society. Whether that's video, live streams, photography or podcasts, partnering with us will enable you to harness the power of content to engage, inform and inspire. Reach out to us today. Thank you.